the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
And now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection, as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. I'm overwhelmed today with the love of God with the mercy and the kindness of God. He is carrying us. He is opening the way for this radio broadcast. He is opening the way for us to be in an upper room and cry out to him for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm overwhelmed by his incredible love when I think of the universes, when I think of the vast distance between us and other planets, when I think of how small I am, I'm humbled before Almighty God. He knows your name. He knows who you are. Many times he's made provision for you and he's called you to himself. He's called us. And we've come today on this radio broadcast because of the great love of God. It's not ecclesiastical authority that has brought us. It's not the wisdom of man that's brought us. It's not because we have to. No, we've come because we want to, because of the great love of God poured out into our hearts that causes us to love each other, that 
causes us to love you. But even more, it causes us to love Jesus, who died on Calvary and was resurrected for us, who has wiped out our sin, who has cleaned our hearts, who has given us victory over sin and darkness. We're no longer in bondage. We're free. We have abundant life in Jesus. That's what we want for you. So we've come sharing the stories of revival. The church has always done its major growing during times of revival, when the Holy Spirit has been poured out in great power and turned the hearts of men and women away from wickedness and toward righteousness. So thank you for listening today. I'm Ray Greenley. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. And with me in studio is my sweetheart and my wife, Alexandra. Welcome, Alexandra. Welcome. And we are from the National Prayer Chapel. And we pray that this broadcast will be used by the Lord to bring revival everywhere that it's heard. We found through research that often revival comes and is spurred on by sharing the stories of revival. So we want to share stories of revival with you because we want you to be turned toward Jesus. We want you to walk away from your sin and be filled by the Spirit of God. We want you to be baptized in the Spirit. and We want you to bring lost sinners to Jesus. So let's go back to the story of revival in the Congo, Alexandra. Yes, and we're reading from The Spirit of Revival, a first-hand account of the Congo Revival of the 1950s, compiled and edited by Norman Grubb, and you can read it for free online at gospeltruth.net. So if you were here yesterday, you'll remember that I was sharing stories uh, from Opienge. There was beginning moves of revival, and then there was a conference where people came from 100 miles away. The Spirit continued to be poured out. There was a lot of public confession of sin. And this wave of revival has just been continuing day after day. So we pick up on Tuesday morning. The Spirit of God came down on the schoolgirls. It was the same again. There were the cryings and wailings and sobbing out of their sins. We called all the women from my meeting to help. And we did what we could to lead the children through to salvation. Crowds of passers-by came to the windows to see what was happening. After a couple of hours, most of the girls had come through to peace, and we were able to return them to their compound. We tried putting them to school, but it was really hopeless. Some were too full of joy to come back to earth, others too burdened about their sins to pay any attention to school. Cries of agony and songs of praise kept on breaking out all day. I had put the men to work, thinking it would save them going to excesses, but it was not easy for them. However, they produced more work that day than in two days previously. In the evening, we went across to the boys' compound. What a sight! Boys in groups dealing with their fellows— some lying on the ground, others on their knees, and yet others dancing and singing for sheer joy. The singing broke out periodically throughout the night. Most of the women came through during the day and evening. By no means were most of the people dealt with, 
dealt with by us whites. By far the majority were dealt with by the native people themselves. On Wednesday morning, there was a knock at my door at 5.20. A young fellow was standing there who has been with us for years, through the school and in preparation for the Bible school. It was dark and chilly, so I said, Step inside and sit on that cushioned chair while I close the door. He looked at the chair for a moment, then hid his face in his hand and cried, No, Bawana, I am not fit to sit in that chair. That chair is clean. I am unclean. Down he went on the floor, face down, arms stretched forward. Dear fellow, I am sure he would have gone lower if it were possible. Then he sobbed out his confession. His wife got through yesterday in the girls' meeting. She had been called in to help, but came under conviction herself and opened her heart to God. He was well-liked by us all. But oh, the hidden sin! What an awful story of deceit he had to tell! He had spent most of the night crying and opening his heart to God. When he had told his wife everything, he said, I must go and tell someone else. You are my wife. Talking to you is like talking to my own flesh. I must go and tell Bawana. She tried to restrain him, saying, Let Bawana sleep till the morning. Time and again she held him back until he could refrain no longer. He finally confessed everything and then broke into wonderful joy. What a changed man he is now. The kindergarten was visited this morning. The Holy Spirit came upon the children during their morning prayer. Some of the houseboys and workmen ran to the school and became personal workers on the spot. One of the lady missionaries' houseboys was such a grumbler that he was dubbed the Growler. But the Growler had been so wonderfully transformed that he was among the personal workers. What wonderful joy and singing on the compound today. Boys, girls, men, and women. One of the favorite hymns is, I Once Was a Prodigal. It is repeated again and again and yet again. In the teacher's compound today, between sessions, there has been singing that reminds me of the joy of the Israelites when the ark was brought into the camp so that the earth rang again. Some of them sat in groups with their New Testaments open. Others gathered around their hymn books. What eagerness there is for the word of God. How the people listened to the messages. What sheer delight people had when we read to them Psalm 126. Then we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter, and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. All day long, the people have been making restitution. Even the state officials have felt the repercussions of this. We have been amazed at the sensitiveness to apparently small things. Many have remembered small debts of even twenty years standing. On Thursday, two men came to say that Jackie, the son of our head pastor, was lying prostrate on our doorstep. He was a bad boy, twice expelled from school. He was living in the native town and proving a real prodigal. When his mother died a few months ago, he vowed he would kill his father. He blamed him for her death. He also sought witchcraft to kill certain of the missionaries and native people. He went into adultery and wine drinking, although he was only a lad. He vowed that he would never again put his foot inside a place of worship. When the blessing came to the schoolboys, he began to get afraid. One of them felt such concern for him that he went to speak to him. 
Jackie was impudent. On other occasions, Jackie struck him hard in the back with a pounding mortar, but the lad shouted back, Even though you strike me, I shall not cease to preach to you and pray for you until you get right with God. Once or twice, Jackie came to the compound to see what was happening. His sister had been blessed and spoke to him, but he was insolent. He said, You have all been taken with a bad sickness. Why don't you go to the doctor and get cured? This evening, he determined to come and see for himself what was happening at the meeting. During the message, he began to tremble. He was angry with himself and tried to stop the shaking. At last, he got up and sat outside alone, trying to control himself. Nothing will make me confess my sins, he said to himself. But the Spirit of God came upon him. He suddenly saw a huge blazing fire before him, and he knew he was on the way to hell. Fear seized him, and he fell to the ground. Some of the men went to help him, but he could not open his mouth. They remained with him for a long time, then finally picked him up and carried him like a sack of flour and laid him at our door. When I arrived, Jackie was flat on his face, his hands trembling. He was crying most touchingly, What shall I do? Then he began confessing. It just poured out. Again he would cry, Oh God, forgive me. God, have mercy on me. What shall I do? It was so pitiful that both my wife and I could hardly keep back the tears. Then he would remember more sins and bring them out. Finally, he said, My heart is open before God. I can remember nothing more to confess. The way is now clear to reach God. Thank God. Thanks be to Jesus for his blood, which forgives and saves. Then he got to his feet and sang, I once was a prodigal. How he leaped, danced, sang, praised, and shook hands all around. Teacher Gabadi appeared unmoved when most of his friends got through to blessing. He is a strong man and would not be easily moved. But one day he went under the power of the spirit. He rolled on the floor despite the fact that he had a nice white shirt and shorts. It is common to see proud teachers dressed immaculately, rolling in the dust and mud, quite unconcerned with their appearance. He agonized for a long time without making a confession. It was during our morning meal that we saw about four or five men carrying him to our veranda. Then he suddenly found the strength to start his confession. First, he covered his face with his hands, but he ended up by lying on his back, hands at his sides, confessing his sins with a loud voice and crying to God for mercy. He looked like a man who was absolutely beaten, conquered. Then he jumped to his feet, shouting, My heart is free! Thank God! Hallelujah! Gabadi had become a new creature in Christ Jesus, but he was no use he was of no use in the schoolroom for a fort for a few days. Instead of teaching the children, he would be delving into the New Testament or hymnal, and simply could not bring himself sufficiently down to earth to teach class. It is impossible to record everything. We could fill pages with testimonies. The wild dancing and singing is more settled now, but the deep joy remains. Children and adults speak to themselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in their hearts to the Lord. Preaching is such a joy now. The simplest teaching is so new to the people. They are all the time saying, 
This is new to us. We knew the doctrine before, but now we know the power. Children and adults are not ashamed to walk the streets with their New Testaments in their hands. This means something in a town like Wamba. Most of the teachers are now changing their fancy names to simple New Testament names. Those teaching the kindergarten used to be reluctant to teach scripture portions. They did it because it was in the curriculum. That was all. Now they do not need reminding. One elder from an outchurch came under the power of the Spirit as he was returning to his village. He was actually on his cycle, and he was so under conviction that he fell off. He got through to wonderful liberty. He has been much used since and testifies to at least one case of healing. But we have had to warn him against excesses. He seems to have been elated with that case of healing and has tried his hand at prophecy. There have been a few cases of excess, or perhaps fanaticism would be a better word. Some have had visions and trances which were evidently not of God. We made an open challenge of this. Another began to meddle with engaged couples. A voice has told me that you are not to marry this person, but so-and-so. But here again, we have had no cases of obstinacy. We back up our rebukes and exhortations with scripture, and hitherto our word has been accepted. One woman who had been blessed went about seeking to lay hands on people and saying she was the Holy Ghost. She was evidently deranged. She was at an out-church, and the pastor had forbidden her to enter the place of worship because of her blasphemies. But when we were sitting there, she sat outside the door and became a nuisance. One of the lady missionaries went to her and said strongly to her, Follow me. She followed her to the rest house. There she spoke straightly to her, telling her this was of the devil, and that she should ask God to deliver her. She made her repeat a prayer. After some time of praying together, the woman became absolutely normal and rejoiced that the Lord had delivered her. We have heard several times since then that she is quite all right. There have been a few cases of people who have been quite ill to all appearances, but their illnesses have been nothing other than deep conviction of sin. One man was ill and did not eat for three and a half days. The relatives sent to the compound asking for him to be taken to the hospital. Next day, he became suddenly normal and confessed to being under conviction of sin. What most of our compound people have received during the revival is their first born-again experiences. In the cases of Christians who have been living near the Lord, they have received a new baptism of the Holy Ghost. Some of those have been almost overcome with joy. Others have received a deep burden for prayer, for the state of the church, or for the lost. One woman, for instance, had been in the girls' school for many years and later became the head teacher. We all found her reliable, and the girls liked and respected her. She married one of the workmen, and together they were given the charge of a small local church. But she went under the whip of the Holy Spirit. She went away into the church garden by herself, and there she received a wonderful baptism. She returned with a new look on her face. What an instantaneous change takes place in the faces of those who give in to the Holy Spirit. She simply ran up, ran upon my wife and threw her arms around her neck and hugged her, which is not usual among the, the Mabudu people. She said, Madame, I have found salvation today. I was never really saved before. Today I have received the Lord Jesus. Where were you saved? My wife asked her. In the church garden. She had quite a surprising confession to make of evil thoughts, jealousies, 
wrong attitudes, hypocrisy, and debts. What a different woman she is today. Several have testified to seeing a great white light. One man called his wife into the bedroom and said, Look at that bright light. The room is all lit up. I feel the presence of God here. She could see nothing and told him so, but he became more and more emphatic. Some have tried to describe the whiteness of the light, but they can't find words to do it. They say the whitest cloth would look dirty by the side of it, and even cotton glistening in the sun would look unclean. About a month later, three of us went 100 miles to a conference of the Babari tribe. The Lord had already begun to work here. The pastor and his wife had both received a mighty baptism. Neither of them had any great sins to confess, but their joy and power was beyond doubt. It was a conference of church leaders. On Sunday morning, the pastor's wife gave an excellent message on Acts 7.49, saying how God had been wandering about for years, looking for houses in which to dwell, and that now the Holy Spirit had come and was finding lots of places of rest for God. She gave her own testimony of how she had always felt she belonged to God, but there was a distance between them. She loved the Lord Jesus, but found it hard to speak to him. Now he had come to dwell in her. She spoke with great power and liberty and joy. She appealed to the people to allow the Spirit to break their hearts, to cleanse them, and to prepare a place of rest for God. You know, Alexandra, that's what we're pleading that the people listening will do. That you'll allow the Holy Spirit to come in and break your heart. You'll allow him to have his way. You'll confess every sin. I spoke with a, a Christian man this morning, and he just boldly said to me, I'm not walking in sin anymore, Pastor. I've left all that behind me. Then he added, I'm not perfect yet. And by that he meant, I still make mistakes. I'm still immature. But I'm not going to the clubs anymore. I'm not fornicating anymore. I'm not drinking anymore. I'm not going to the hookah bars anymore. I'm clean before Jesus. I rejoiced with him in that statement and testimony of victory. What a miraculous thing for a man who had no Christian background, who has become a follower of Jesus. Some of you listening to this broadcast today are alcoholics. Some of you are, are sexually unclean. Some of you may be abusers of your wife. Some of you may be women who scream and yell and shout at your children. Your heart may be filled with bitterness and anger and hurt. Would you open your heart today to Jesus? Would you confess everything to him? And would you confess to the people you've hurt? Will you humble your heart? Will you leave your pride behind and humble your heart 
and get before Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit. This is so big. You can struggle the rest of your life to try to become somebody. Jesus wants you to become a nobody. To lay your pride in the dust, to humble your heart, and to let him have full control of you. He wants a resting place in your heart. He wants to fill it up with his presence, his love, his joy, his peace, his long-suffering. So as you listen to this story, will you take action today, right now? Even as you're listening, get down on your face. Stop. If you're driving, pull off to the side of the road. Get right with Jesus. And we'll continue the story of revival in the Congo. She appealed to the people to allow the Spirit to break their hearts, to cleanse them, and to prepare a place of rest for God. At the close, she struck up a chorus with great joy. The singing was good, but it lacked enthusiasm. She burst into tears and said, You have no real joy. You are bound. You are hiding unconfessed sin. The Lord has a wonderful life of fullness for you, if only you will bend and allow him to break your hearts. After the close, quite a few went under conviction. We could hear them from our rest house. One evangelist waited around until he could get me alone. He was called a few times to eat food, but had no desire for it. After a big struggle, with no shakings, for many do not shake, but with plenty of perspiration, he unburdened his heart. He said when he saw us arriving in the car, it seemed as if our faces shone and he feared to come near us. He had seen the same thing on the pastor and his wife. He felt there was a great distance between us which he could not bridge. He knew what it was. It was his unconfessed sin of lust. Poor Mendei. I can see him now utterly broken, crying to God for forgiveness and cleansing. Then he broke through to liberty and was soon full of great joy. At the next meeting, he gave his testimony. Men and women went under the power at once. Several were so noisy that they had to be carried out. We cannot but praise God for this wonderful visitation. A week later, we had a weekend conference of out-church workers back at Wamba. From the beginning, the Spirit worked mightily. Lots of the compound people were present, and being in a state of blessing brought a tremendous spirit of conviction upon the meetings. One testimony came from a young man who had been a schoolboy there. He was clever and had gained special teaching certificates and returned here knowing everything. None of us were really happy about him, but we could not put our fingers on any concrete cause. He told the various ways by which intense conviction came on him. He knew his own sins all right, but could not open his mouth. He fought it for a long time, Then under his breath quoted a line of a hymn which says, Thy will be done. Immediately his heart was broken and he opened his mouth. He says he saw his hypocrisy in a new light. He was like a bush native dressing himself in houseboy's clothes to make people think he was a houseboy. But now he was found out. He was a hypocrite. Three times over he had made professions of repentance 
but had received no power. Now he had received power. He had planned on leaving the mission, marrying extra wives, and so on. He had even said, the gospel works all right for white people, but is no good for black. But no one knew of these things until he had confessed them. Another was a young man who had had his ups and downs, but had kept on following the Lord as well as he could. He came forward saying he had fire in his heart and could not rest until he had told his story. He spoke with great vehemence and striking the reading desk. He said he had gone straight since leaving school and was now getting experience at an out church with the view of going to Bible school. He brought out a lot of what we might call lesser sins. And then he began to beat his chest with a violence which made me fear he might hurt himself. It reminded me of the publican and the gospel. He was trying to say something and could not get it out. I knew his story as he had spoken to me before the meeting. I stepped behind him and whispered, The word you cannot get out is lust. Now speak out. He yelled out the word lust. Only he knows what it cost him to confess that. The chest beating immediately ceased, but he kept thumping the desk as he talked. He said, evil desires were killing me. I have tried and tried to overcome but failed. I have never committed adultery, but now I see what Jesus meant when he said, desires and works are the same thing. I am under the condemnation of an adulterer, even though I have never actually committed the act. Then he burst into wonderful praise, saying he knew he was forgiven. He thumped that poor desk until I thought he would surely smash it, but it has stood many a thump since then. He then went around to various people asking their pardon. He came to me and said, Bawana, you may not remember I owe you some money for palm oil. It is a very old debt. I will run off at once to the village and get the money. Wait until after the meeting, I told him. But no, he had to pay it at once. The story of restitutions would make a volume in itself. The head woman confessed to pilfering rice from church supplies, not deliberate stealing, but taking small amounts over the years with the covering thought, I am the head woman and as such should have certain privileges. How subtle is human nature. She could not rest until she had collected a large basketful of rice and returned it to the church supplies. The wife of one of our house workers confessed to taking eggs from our fowls and presenting them to us as her gift to our little son. It is not enough to confess this, she said. I will give an egg for each one I stole. Some of the school teachers had been taking small handfuls of ground nuts at planting time. They had no peace until they had restored the equivalent. A Christian native had sent us a basket of European potatoes. We were absent when it arrived. The wife of a houseworker saw the basket and said, Give me a few of those potatoes. They have cost the missionary nothing, and he would not know that we have taken any. When she went under the power of the Spirit, she brought some potatoes to restore them to us. One man came with a few francs, saying he had bought a New Testament nearly twenty years ago. He had not sufficient money then, but had promised to pay later. He had gone away, saying to himself, These white people have plenty of money. Why should they trouble about a few francs? But now he saw this was a great sin, and hastened to pay his debt. At one time, we had a large selection of restored goods on a table. 
rice, peanuts, eggs, potatoes, money, plates, dishes, bits of soap, and so on. Although most of the restored things are of no great value, we nevertheless encourage the people to make restoration. One thing happened at this conference which brought many under the power of conviction. The head teacher over the schoolboys had been through all these weeks of revival. He had brought out a few surface things and had got right with lots of people on small differences. He is a quiet, unmoved sort of man. While others sing joyfully and wave their arms or show joy in other ways, he just stands and sings without any sign of emotion. I was watching him in the meeting and just wondered why he was so stiff. Quite suddenly, he threw himself right across the aisle. It was just as if he had been hurled out of a cannon. Covering his face with his, face with his hands, he cried and shouted. Finally, we had to carry him to the vestibule. There he brought out a bad story of deceit and hypocrisy and secret dancing. Who would have believed it of him? Again and again, we have had proof of those searching words, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? It took him a long time to get it all off his chest. Then we brought him back into the church. He immediately stood to testify, and then the place went mad with joy. The meeting went on until a late hour. A new experience in praying came to us during this conference. When it was announced that we should have a time of prayer, everybody started praying at the same time. Most of our prayer sessions are like that now. There is amazing power in such meetings, such praying, and such taking hold of God's promises. We have always had good prayer meetings here at Wamba, but this is quite different. There is no confusion. It begins just like the sound of a rising wind and continues in a low roar until the prayers begin to die away and it gradually descends to a stillness. Some stand, others sit, others kneel to pray. Sometimes ones or twos would go under conviction and be carried out or dealt with on the spot. The pleading for lost relatives and outside pagans is very touching. A few may allow themselves to get overexcited, but a kind word sets them right. During one of the long meetings, I came out for a drink of milk. A few followed me out, among them one of our older evangelists. When the others had finished their affairs, he came near. We were alone on the veranda. He began to speak, telling me how God had shown him his heart, and how he had undergone terrible conviction in the meetings. He began to confess hardness, lack of power in witnessing, and wrong attitudes. Actually, he has been used in, much used in the past to the conversion of many, and has started many a cause of God. Then he began to weep and strike his hands with terrible vigor. How my heart went out to him. He is a very public man, strong in body and mind. I knew by the way he wept he had a bad confession to make. I could not but weep with him. His tears were following rapidly on the floor. Then he burst out with all his strength. I have done it, Bawana. I have done it. You did not know it, but I have done it. He could not bring it out, but at last he said, I have committed adultery on three occasions. I saw afresh the truth of what the natives were now saying. The Holy Spirit is making people confess things which they never would have confessed under flogging or torture. When he had emptied his heart and really taken hold of forgiveness and cleansing, I took him by the hand and walked him back to the church. He went right on the platform and gave his story. It cost him a lot. Amid tears and shouting, he got it all out. 
His remorse was terrible, but he eventually got through to joy and praise. I am sure there was joy in heaven at that moment. The singing almost lifted the roof. The business meetings of the conference were bathed in oil. There was a wonderful smoothness and oneness of mind. Another fruit of the revival is keenness to witness. Every Sunday, we send out teams of four or six to the local churches to tell what God has done for them. Later on, we hope really to tackle the pagans. I wish I had a record of short phrases which show the wonderful change so clearly. Here are a few. I used to pray like a parrot. Now I pray with understanding. We used to read the word without knowing what we were reading. Now it is as honey because we have received understanding. Our relationship with wife and children is now as different as light from darkness. Maria, the woman I mentioned before who became mad, was very difficult and had to be handled strongly. The case has been a great blessing to us all. We took up the challenge in prayer. The morning meetings were given over to prayer for her deliverance and became very powerful. We searched the word for suitable promises and then claimed them in prayer. After some days, we changed from praying to receiving and praising. The joy after prayer was tremendous. One morning, Maria had been very difficult. We had to have people sleeping in her house because she was so uncontrollable. She was sitting on our veranda and closed her eyes. After a moment, she said to my wife, I have been asleep. Now I am healed. She, per she was perfectly normal in a moment. But later in the day, she said, I have been mad for three months. The reason is I have loved an unsaved man who has a wife and children. I still love him and will never give him up. All persuasion could not move her. That same night, she became as mad as before. We looked upon this as an assault from the enemy of souls, and we went back to God. Our faith rose quickly, and we maintained our praise. Some days later, one of the lady missionaries felt she had a word from the Lord for Maria, and so it proved. It was, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Maria was asked to repeat the words, and then to ask the Lord to help her do as the word said. This she did, and changed from that moment, yielding up that awful sin which had kept her bound. It was a wonderful experience for many of our people who had never before known a real prayer battle. The senior lady missionary at Wamba summed it all up by saying, General signs of the blessing received are, one, a teachable spirit, two, a really thankful spirit, which is such a change, three, such wonderful singing where before they could hardly open their mouths. Four, eagerness to intercede for others. What wonderful days we are living in. We are full of praise to our God for allowing us a share in the revival. We ourselves have been blessed and revived with greater love for souls, greater burden of prayer, new treasures from the word, and a greater carefulness in our attitude to each other that we may have that love for one another, which is the unity of the Spirit. Alexandra, go through those four signs that you have received revival. Yes, so again, they are a teachable spirit, a really thankful spirit, wonderful singing, where before they would hardly open their mouths, and four, an eagerness to intercede for others. We've watched over and over 
as people have sat in church, bound up. And from what we've learned out of this Congo revival, that happens when a person is unwilling to fully confess their sin. Yes. And they continue to walk in pride. Yes. And hiddenness. And what's extraordinary about this last story, this woman who literally went crazy for three months, and it was because she was in love with an unsaved man who was already married. That's just such... It's just one sin. And it's something that probably no one even knew about. But it was enough to actually make her go crazy. And in our culture, we think we're so very sophisticated. But that coldness of heart is very real. And the coldness of heart can only be broken by transparency, by fully opening to the church the reality of what's going on in your life. Yes. Until that happens, you're bound. Yes. And so many of you listening today are walking around bound, angry, hurting, isolated, alone, because you will not humble your heart. Oh, people won't understand, you say. Or people don't care. Or I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about this. What will people think of me? Do you want the Holy Spirit? Do you want to be set free? I mean the fact is it's all gonna come out at the judgment. So you might as well deal with it now and be free and be saved and be useful to God instead of not dealing with it and then dying in your sin and then being publicly humiliated at the judgment and then being condemned before God. It will all be open and public at some point. Yes. Either the judgment when it's too late or now. Yes. Well, we have time for maybe one phone call. Is there anything you'd like to share with us? Our phone number is 877-534-0780. We'd love to hear from you. We'll take one call. A response to the Congo revival. What are your thoughts? What's it saying to you? Are you prepared to open your heart? And while we wait for that call, just very quickly, Alexandra, we've gone through a very difficult week. We have made that decision to entirely focus our lives on waiting on the Holy Spirit and praying for the full baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we have consecrated a place as an upper room. And we're going to be there many times during the week, praying, waiting. We're not going to do church as usual. We are going to wait on the Holy Spirit. 
because we know that until that baptism comes, Washington, D.C. will be in bondage and there will not be a breaking out of the Holy Spirit. It takes a baptism of the Holy Spirit to begin the revival. Yes. And that's not something that flows out of us. That comes out of the heart of Jesus. And if you look carefully at the stories in Acts of Pentecost, Jesus told them to wait in Jerusalem until the fullness of his power had come upon them. So they waited. And then came the wind and the fire, speaking in foreign tongues, the power to heal the sick. The presence of God came. We want that same power and that same presence. I have, to be completely transparent with you, worked year after year after year as a pastor, pastoring small home churches, medium-sized churches, mega church. I've pastored in many settings but I've not ever had the full Pentecost baptism of the Holy Spirit. When I asked Pastor David Wilkerson if he would, before he died, lay hands on me and pray for me to receive the full baptism of the Holy Spirit, he said, no, Ray, I can't do that. I said, why? Well, I haven't received that either. I just had to go in the anointing I have. Well, I'm not willing to do that anymore. I'm not willing to just go in the anointing I have. Yes, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Yes, I even speak in tongues. But I don't have the full Pentecost baptism. And I need that. We need that. And so we're setting apart whatever time it takes for fasting, for prayer, for waiting on God. Now, if we could, we would stop doing radio and just focus every moment. But he's asked us to continue doing radio, and so we're going to do that, and we're going to share with you the progress we make. Last night, we had a wonderful prayer meeting where the focus was entirely upon confession, asking for the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to keep doing this. We're not going to back away. If you'd like to talk with me about this, you're welcome to call me. I'll give you my personal cell phone. 703 489 1785. It's on the webpage nationalprayerchapel.com. How serious are you about Jesus? Do you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit and are you willing to pay the price of turning away from all sin, all known sin, everything that you have done? Will you repent? Will you leave your sin? Will you walk clean in Jesus? 
Well, we have about two minutes left in this broadcast. Alexandra, anything you'd like to share? I'd just like to give out the webpage again. It's nationalprayerchapel.com. You can listen to this message again there. You can listen to our past messages. We have videos, YouTube videos of these messages. That webpage is nationalprayerchapel.com. And we're very eager to hear from you. We are praying that God will use this broadcast to bring revival here in Maryland, Virginia, and Washington, D.C. So we're looking forward to hearing from you. You can also write to us. What's the address? The address is the National Prayer Chapel, P.O. Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. And we invite you to contribute as the Holy Spirit prompts you. We need your support. We're waiting on Jesus. I'm Ray Greenley. And I'm Alexandra Greenley, and we are from the National Prayer Chapel. We love you. This has been Pilgrim's Progress. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. With I'm telling you that three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.